want to welcome those who are online. We're just so glad you're joining with us. If you're in a home, we trust the presence of God's going to touch you where you are and bring a tremendous revelation to your hearts. And what a joy. I just wept to be here, back, just back in the house again and presence of God and uh, just to be with family. Just so, so good. And we've got Passover coming up. How many are excited about that? Celebration of Passover and the opportunity to do a Passover or seed a meal uh, in our homes. And uh, so I talked with... Uh, Pastor Dave, and uh, I want to share a message called The Feast of Passover. The Feast of Passover. And uh, I want to help you understand it. Some people may have little understanding of it, and so it's all, well, what's this about? And uh, it's all about Easter, you reckon? And uh, I want to help you just get some insight and understanding. It's a very powerful message and a story. And I found with everything, if you understand the meaning of something, then you can experience its reality. But if you have no understanding of meaning, then it just becomes an empty form. I remember marrying a couple recently, a little while ago, and uh, they weren't too fussed about having a, a wedding and various things in the wedding. I said, oh, it's only because you don't understand their significance. When you don't know their meaning then, or significance, then you don't really have understanding of what you're doing. It becomes an empty ritual. And so I want to help you get an understanding, okay? So we're going to talk about the Feast of Passover. What is Passover? Well, Passover is the first of three feasts or celebrations that Israel celebrated every year. Passover represents the first of three major encounters with God. And so as we look into the, uh, the operation of Passover, what happened then, I want you to be thinking it's not just about a meal and it's not just about doing Easter and Easter eggs. It is about a, an encounter with God, a personal encounter with God. I know for me, my life changed through an encounter with God at Easter time when I was at a camp down at Waikanae. I had an encounter with God. So God specifically told Israel, he gave them a command. How about this? A command to take a holiday. How about that? A command to put money aside to celebrate, not once, not an annual holiday, but three times a year, God commanded them to come and gather together to celebrate. In Leviticus 23, verse 1 and verse 2, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, say to them, the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy gatherings, these are my feasts. So the feasts of Israel are not some idea that Moses thought up. They, are, they come from God himself. They are something God set up. So that would raise some questions. If God set something up, what does it mean? How does it apply? And how important is it today? If you don't answer those questions, then you treat it as though it's not important at all. And then you miss the opportunity of it. So he said, this is a holy convocation. These are my feasts. So convocation is a gathering together. So the feast of Passover, along with the other two feasts, were gatherings together. And they were at set times of the year, a fixed time. And God has a, 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 something important about that. And uh, so these are the feasts of the Lord. They came from God. And there are three feasts that God told Israel they had to keep three times in the year you needed to gather. Now their year was worked different to ours. They had a, an agricultural calendar and they had a lunar calendar, but the agricultural calendar set up the seasons and they're about six months out from us. So for example, uh, right now in the, in, in the time of, uh, you know, end of, during February and into March, what do you see all around Hawke's Bay? 
everyone, the trees are laden, the, the vineyards are laden, everyone's frantically gathering in the harvest. But you've got to go six months down to get the significance of uh, the feast uh, in terms of Israel. So if, there were three feasts. The first was called Passover. That was held in the month of Nisan, which is in March, April, and it was the time of the barley harvest. Uh, the second one, and this, this one represents, or as we'll see later, it's our salvation experience. The call to Passover is a call to encounter God, to encounter Jesus Christ as the one who saves you and delivers you. It's an invitation out of bondage. And uh, the second feast, which was held uh, 50 days later in the month called Sivan, uh, it was in May, June, it's the time of the wheat harvest. And this is an invitation or a command by God to gather together and it represents an encounter with the power of God. And so uh, the, uh, the Passover is a call by God to gather and experience his power to save you and deliver you. Uh, Pentecost is an invitation 50 days later to come and experience of the power of God. It was the time of the wheat harvest. It was the beginning of the main harvest. See, and then the third feast, there was another feast. So the first feast was held in the first month. Passover was in the first month. Uh, number two, the uh, Pentecost was held in the third month. And in the seventh month was the Feast of Tabernacles in a month called Tishri in August, September. And that was the time of the final harvest. So the first one represented our invitation to be saved. The second one, invitation to experience the power of God and live a life that is fruitful, productive, gathering in a harvest of souls for Christ. And the third one in the seventh month means entering or symbolizes entering the rest. It is a prophetic picture of the return of Jesus Christ, the first resurrection and the great harvest. So they were told to remember and celebrate the three feasts every year. They are representative of the story of God. They're an unraveling of the story of God. They are putting the story of God in three distinct celebrations in the year. First, the story of our salvation. Secondly, the story of our being filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to serve Christ. And thirdly, the story of our great hope, the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ as a king, the final harvest of the earth, and the transferring of all the kingdoms of the earth to become the kingdoms of the Lord. You see how important they are. Everyone is important because together they form God's plan of salvation spanning 2,000 years. So every feast is significant. Every feast has important details. So uh, now of these feasts, the uh, two of the feasts had three parts to them. So let's go now and just open it up a bit further. We see there's three feasts. Well, the Feast of Passover uh, was made up also of three parts. So the Feast of Passover uh, was, uh, it's described in Leviticus 23.5. On the 14th day in the first month, in twilight, it's the Lord's Passover. So twilight was towards the end of the day and the beginning of the new day. Uh, their days were different to ours. Their days began at 6 p.m. So 6 p.m. was the beginning of the new day. Then there was secondly, the second part of that feast of Passover was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Here it is, Leviticus 23, 6. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread or bread without any yeast in it. 
And then a third part of it was the Feast of First Fruits, Leviticus 23.10. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land I give you and reap its harvest, you will bring a sheaf of first fruits of your harvest to the priest and he will wave it before the Lord. Now, every one of those feasts, the details are given exactly what was to be done and how it was to be done and the day it was to be done. God is a God of detail. Jesus said, I didn't come to remove the law, I came to fulfill it. So when Jesus came, every aspect that's described in the old feasts of Israel, he fulfilled it in his life and ministry. Even the outpouring of the Spirit, it didn't come until when? The day of Pentecost. It came the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was when everyone is celebrating a natural feast, the Feast of Weeks, and at that day, at that appointed hour, at the very time they're celebrating Pentecost, the power of God is falling on a group of people and they're experiencing what it really means. Get the idea? But there's another great feast to be fulfilled. So obviously I can't give you all the details of the feast. Let me give you a bit more about the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles, which is the feast yet to come. It's not being fulfilled in a global way. Across the world, you will hear the gospel preached and the invitation to be saved. God moves and sets people free. Across the world, you'll hear the gospel preached, the invitation to be filled with the Spirit and the power of God. But this feast has yet to be fulfilled, and it's made up of three distinct parts. Firstly, what's called the Feast of Trumpets. Leviticus 23, 24, speak to the children of Israel saying in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you'll have a Sabbath rest, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets and a holy gathering. So that was that day. And then, the, uh, then the day, what was called the day of atonement, Leviticus 23, 27, on the 10th day of the seventh month, there will be called the day of atonement. It'll be a holy gathering. It's a time for repentance, of fasting, afflicting your souls, and an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you'll do no work on that day. It's the day of atonement. And then the third one is the final one called the Feast of Tabernacles. On the 15th day of the seventh month, it'll be the Feast of Tabernacles, seven days to the Lord. Now, clearly, as you see this, there is much to learn about the Feast of Israel. There's a lot to learn. And to just be in church for years and never have ever learned about those things is tragic. If you haven't learned about the Feast of Passover, you don't understand what God wants to do in your life personally. How he wants to save you and set you free. If you don't understand the Feast of Pentecost, you don't understand the availability of the supernatural power of God to come upon your life and bring you into a life in the supernatural serving God. If you don't know about the Feast, of Trump, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, you know little about the coming of the Lord and the sequence of events that will actually be a part of it. It will start with the trumpet of the Lord. The trump of the Lord shall sound. In other words, there will be a trumpet sound. There will be a fulfillment of this literally. So now let me just give you a few more things about the feast and then we'll go on and have a look then actually at the Feast of Passover. Okay, get any idea now? It's a, big, it's a big part. We're only going to take one part, but I do want to share with just a few more things before we do that. The first thing is, they were established by God, so he's got a purpose in it, a very clear purpose, and every feast, there's four parts to it, or four features of it. Number one, it's historical. You can read up and look what they did and how they did it. Secondly, it's symbolic. Within the story, it's telling another story of something God is about to do and will continue to do. Thirdly, it's personal. 
Every one of these feasts has got a way that you can apply this to your own personal life. And we'll look at that as we do this feast today. And then finally, it's prophetic. Every feast and every issue in the feast is prophetic. It's pointing in ahead to what God will do. And so the feast of Passover is prophetic that one day Jesus would come and die on the cross and he would make it possible for us to be saved. We could experience freedom from sin and curses and demonic powers. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, they remove leaven from their houses over a period of time. It means that sin is removed. Jesus took our sin on the cross. The, the leaven was taken and a part of it was put out of sight in the, in the celebration. And it symbolizes Jesus being buried out of sight on our behalf and our old life finishing. We have a new life. Then it went on to first fruits. In first fruits, they celebrated by taking part of the harvest and raising it up to the Lord. And that's prophetic that Jesus would rise again from the dead. He would become the first fruits, which would make then a whole company of people after him. Uh, it's possible for us to be redirected. The Feast of Trumpets, uh, the, sorry, the Feast of Pentecost, symbolic that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You and I can be filled with the Spirit every day. The Feast of Trumpets, the trumpet was given to call God's people to gather. It was to call them to prepare. It was to call them to go to war. It was a trumpet sound that Christ will come again. It's time for the church to arise. It had a part of it called the Day of Atonement, meaning that in preparation for the coming of the Lord, we need to prepare ourselves with a repentant heart, a humble heart, and live a life that's honoring to God. And then finally, Tabernacles, which is a prophetic picture fulfilled when Jesus returns, and those who have prepared themselves will be raised from the dead. Isn't that exciting? Now get this. You think, well, how important is that? Well, here's how important it is. If people didn't keep the feast of Passover, they were cut off from Israel. That means if you did not participate in Passover, you had no part in being part of God's people and therefore no part in the promises. It's essential we understand and keep the feast of Passover. It tells us that in Numbers 9.13. Get this. You think, well, perhaps this is just something in the Old Testament. No. In Zechariah 14 and verse 9, it says, There'll come a day the Lord will be king over all the earth. Now, you look in the media and you hear about Russia and Ukraine and this and this and this and this, but there will come a time when you'll hear different things in the news. Because when Jesus returns, the governments of the earth will change. He will come in power to change. And it said, the Lord shall be king over all the Lord, over all the earth. And that day, the Lord is one and his name one. Now, look at what it says. It says, and it shall be that whichever families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there'll be no rain. If any family of Egypt won't come up and enter in, they'll have no rain. They'll receive a plague, which the Lord strikes the nations that don't come up to feast, keep the feast of tabernacles. There will be a consequence on Egypt and all nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's telling us that in the coming millennial reign, there will be consequences for not participating in celebrating what God calls us to celebrate. In other words, you are part of a much bigger plan. Find your part in the plan and begin to understand how to prepare yourself for the things that God is doing. How about that? Now, one of the reasons that we don't understand a lot of that is because in history, there was an emperor called Constantine, and he systematically removed from Christianity. He made Christianity a public religion, 
which means you remove the power from it. So if you wanted to be in a public office, you had to become a Christian. But to become a Christian, you need to have an experience with God, be born again, have personal faith in Christ. So what he also did was he then removed from Christianity all the Jewish roots. He took out the celebration of the feast. He took out the feast of uh, Sabbath. He took out the whole tithing system. He literally removed from the Christian church all of the feasts of Israel and the traditions and celebrations. And what was, what was it replaced with? Well, the feast of Passover was replaced with a feast. Get what it was replaced with? A, a springtime festival that originated in Babylon by Semiramis and who she was known as Ishtar or Astate, from where we get the word Easter. So in other words, they took a pagan festival going back to Babylon and they celebrated it with rabbits and eggs and so it was all symbolic. And then what they did was they just made this the celebration of the resurrection. And in doing so, removed clarity about God's purpose for Passover. You understanding that? That's why as a church, we're wanting to re help people understand the significance of Passover and to begin to celebrate like the Jewish people did because our roots are there. Does that make sense to you? And that's, if you're gonna celebrate something in a year, why not begin to consider how do I celebrate the feast of Passover? How can I celebrate the feast of Pentecost? And how can I celebrate the feast of Tabernacles? What could we do as a family and as a church to start to bring the celebration of these eternal, these feasts that God had? Jesus said that the, the Bible says they are eternal. In other words, they're never gonna be removed. How about that? Okay, all right then, so let's go to the first Passover. So it's take a little bit, but if you don't get the background, you can't kind of see the bigger picture. If you don't see the bigger picture, you're just caught up with a few things. So basically, we go through, and you'll find the, the story of Passover is in Exodus chapter 12. I encourage you to read Exodus 12. Many of you will be familiar with the story, some may not. So I'm gonna read the story, I'll read it through quickly, but I want you just as you have a look at the story, this is not, this is, an, this is an incident in history. This involves a people, and it involves something that God said, I want you to remember this in every generation, and fathers, I want you to teach this to your children. Okay then, so we read then in, in the first Passover in Egypt, and God spoke to Moses, Exodus 12 verse one, in the land of Egypt saying, this month will be the beginning of months, it'll be the first month of the year for you. In other words, their calendar year is redefined by the feast of Passover. We're gonna start off your calendar again, this feast will be the beginning of your year, it's the first year. Everything in this is full of tremendous stuff, I can't do it all, I'll give you some. He said, speak to all the congregation of Israel on the 10th of this month. So the, the beginning of the month is the beginning of the year. It's the new year. On the 10th of the month, every man shall take to himself a lamb according to his father, a lamb for the household. If the household's too small, let him and his neighbor next to the house take according to the number of persons, each man according to their need, and make account for the lamb. In other words, gather in others if your house is very small and the meal's gonna be too big. How about that? Now the lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you can take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you keep it. So you keep it, you choose it on the 10th day, you keep it till the 14th day of that month. Then the whole of the nation or assembly of Israel shall kill it at twilight or in the, uh, at the, the uh, last part of the day. 
And they'll take some of the blood and they'll put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. And they'll eat the flesh on that night. They'll roast it in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they will eat it. And they'll not eat it raw or boiled, but roasted with its head, its legs, its entrails. None will remain till the morning. What remains you'll burn with fire. Thus you'll eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. You'll eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Four. Here's the big part of it. I will pass through. I will, there will be a visitation. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and I'm coming against all the gods of Egypt and I'm going to execute judgment. I am the Lord. This is incredible. Egypt was a nation. Uh, it was the most powerful nation in the earth at that time. So it, it was considered the world empire. Egypt is symbolic of the world. And the Pharaoh and the taskmasters are symbolic of demonic powers that afflict people and hold them in bondage. And notice what he says. Now the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood. Not when I see your good intentions. Not when I see you're reading your Bible. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike Egypt. So this day, this day, this Passover shall be to you a memorial. You got to remember this thing. You will keep it as a feast to the Lord through all your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by everlasting ordinance. In other words, I'm not going to drop this plan. I want you to celebrate this every year. This is something that's important. It's not only symbolic, it's actually part of the plan of God. Then he goes on with the details. Seven days you'll eat unleavened bread. First day, remove leaven from your houses, symbolic of sin. Whoever eats unleavened bread on the first day till the seventh will be cut off. So the issue of sin is a crucial one. On the first day, there'll be a holy gathering. The seventh day, there'll be a holy gathering. No manner of work shall be done on them. Everyone must eat that which is prepared by you. You'll observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On the same day, I'll have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. You'll observe this day throughout your generations. This is an everlasting ordinance. In other words, everlasting means it's not going to stop just because you live in New Zealand or because you live some other part of the world. He said, this will be an everlasting. This is to be repeated every year. This is something to remember because its reality will last forever. Get the idea? Okay then. And then he says, um, on the first month and the 14th day of the month at evening, you'll eat the unleavened bread, 21st day of the month at evening, seven days no leaven found on your houses. Okay then, verse 20, you'll eat nothing leavened and all your dwellings, you'll eat unleavened bread. And it'll come to pass when you come to the land the Lord will give you, you'll keep this service. And it shall be when your children say, what does it mean? So in other words, when you hold the seed a meal, the thing is, Children ask, ask, what does it mean? What is this all about? Because if you don't know what it's all about, it's just an empty ritual. So this was a chance as a family. This is a chance as a family to share what God has done in our lives. How about that? And, and you shall say, it's the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household and they bowed their heads and worshiped. How about that? So here's the key features. Going through this. And I encourage you to do your own study. Go through it and look at it and follow through in the, in the, in the uh, Old Testament, the story of Passover and also the other feasts. So here's the first thing. A man, every man was to select for his household a lamb without blemish. 
The responsibility is on the father or the head of the household to be the leader of his household to lead them into salvation. That's where the responsibility lies. The man has got to lead. That's God's order. Violations of the order lead to issues and problems in families. Why the breakdowns of families? No men leading. No God at the center. See? And he said he was to select a lamb without spot or blemish. And so he chose it on the 10th day of the month. So, so when the 10th day of the month came, every man had to go out and get himself a lamb. Okay? And then he kept the lamb for four days and checked it all out very diligently. If it, did, if it had a spot or a blemish, it would not count. Now, think about this. I saw today coming in how many are wearing masks. Why are people wearing masks? See? Well, you're told to. But basically, the reason people are told to is because this is to provide some kind of inadequate protection against picking up a flu-type disease. Think about it. What God is saying here is this is an issue of life or death. This is not just an issue of a mask in case you catch something. This is the issue you live or you die if you don't apply what I've provided for you. Think about it. So what did they do at 3 p.m.? They would bring the lamb to the doorstep and uh, they would kill the lamb and they catch the, the, the blood in the basin and then they took hyssop and they dip it in the basin and they would slop it on the, on the, on the lintels and they slop it on the side on the doorways and they would apply a heap of blood. It was a mess. Now what do you understand? If you are in the house and you happen to be the eldest son, this is a big deal. This for you is life or death. Dad, did you check the lamb? Dad, have another look. Dad, make sure there's no spot or blemish. Can you understand? This is what God is getting into their, into their thinking. This has actually got serious consequences for them. Dad, have you applied the blood? Dad, make sure it's up. Do it again. Put more up. Dad, it may not be enough. Have another go. By the time they finish, there's blood everywhere. It's up on top, it's on the sides, it's on the ground, it's everywhere. The whole threshold is covered with blood. And then what happened? The family would enter into the house. They would enter into the house. And then they would roast the lamb and they would sit down at 6 p.m. and they would eat the lamb together, roast it, consume it. They were instructed no bone to be broken. And then what happened was the most unusual thing that as they sat in their houses, they heard the wails across Egypt where the angel of death had visited and the firstborn son in every household that did not have the blood died that night. You can imagine the fear. If you think the fear of COVID is something, this was certain death if you didn't do it. The fear of COVID may be, well, okay, I may catch it, may not, or stay inside, whatever. This one staying inside wouldn't save you. The only thing that would save you is the blood of an unblemished lamb. Now you understand that in all of the symbolism, God is trying to get through the importance of something. He's trying to bring a spiritual message. So interestingly enough, this kind of thing was familiar to them because if you go to some cultures now, particularly in their day, 
that they would have household gods and the god was always sat at the threshold of the door you find that in some some shops now asian shops you'll see a little altar there but this was called a threshold god and a threshold covenant they would actually offer a sacrifice to their idols and it would be at the door so what everyone understood that because that's the culture they were in what god is saying is that that stuff is is never going to help you see but if you take the blood of the lamb the very almighty omnipotent God will come and stand in your doorway and he will provide a covering, a protection from every demonic power, from every destroying thing. He, your God will be your protector. Your God will be your provider. That's what he's trying to tell them. Listen, I have people come for deliverance and I have them online coming for deliverance. I have them coming to our home coming for deliverance. Listen, let me tell you this. In every case, there is no deliverance from demons without the applying of the blood of the Lamb, of the blood of Jesus Christ to their lives and hearts. They can never be delivered unless by faith they get rid of sin and they apply the blood to the places the demons could gain access. This is not something in the Old Testament. This is something that would be eternal. This is something that God wants us to know and understand and remember. People come and they want someone to pray for them, to fix up their problems. You need to come with a repentant heart and get the leaven, the sin, the pride, the things that inflate you and make you independent and so on. Get those out of your life, bring those to the foot of the cross and then by faith, apply the blood. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. There is a process to be protected from demonic powers. And it's not just once you get delivered, this is to be something that's an ongoing thing. In other words, if you want to walk in freedom, you need to learn how to live under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. I had someone, and they were talking to me just yesterday, a couple of days ago, about someone troubled by spirits, and they wanted to bind them and rebuke them. I said, listen, you've missed out the most important part. That person must come in repentance to the cross. They must apply the blood of Jesus Christ and come under the covering and protection of Almighty God. Then there is authority to get free from demonic spirits. This is the whole story of this thing. This is what it all means. So think about that. So, so the, notice what happens. This is the original Passover we're looking. The subsequent Passovers were held in the temple. And instead of it being in the home, everyone gathered to the temple. And it all took place in a temple. There was a big gathering of the nation at Jerusalem. And God held back their enemies supernaturally while they did it. When the temple was destroyed, then the whole of the Passover was transferred into the homes. So the, it became a home-based celebration. So, so you see then, we are to gather corporately as a church, as a big body, but also we're to celebrate in homes. So all over the world, at the Feast of Passover, Jewish people will gather in their homes and they will go through what's called the cedar ceremony. They will go through the steps that remind them of the Lord's Passover 5,000 or 4,500 years ago. God, notice here's, the th- here's an interesting thing. God did not tell them, just get over your your suffering. Remember, the Jews had been in bondage for hundreds of years. They were victimized. They were enslaved. They were in bondage. They were hurt. They were wounded. They were treated unjustly. They suffered. Can you identify with that? Well, God doesn't say to them, forget it. Move on. You understand? God never says to you, forget it and move on. 
This is what he says. I want you to remember your slavery and bondage. I want you to remember what life was like when you were in trauma and in sin and in bondage and in slavery. I want you to remember how much you suffered when you were in that situation. Not so you would feel sorry for yourself, but I want you to remember how mighty the Lord was to save you and deliver you out of an impossible situation. Getting the idea? So, so this is what makes us so mad. He said, he said, remember forever, you were a slave, you were powerless, you were victimized, you suffered, and you were in bitterness and pain. But I want you not just to remember that, I want you now to focus on the great power of God that was greater than every trauma, greater than every addiction, greater than every slavery, greater than all bondages could set you free. How about that? <clears throat> so the Passover story is a story of freedom. It's a freedom from all forms of injustice and slavery. So when you celebrate the Passover, we're inviting people to freedom. We're inviting them to freedom. We're inviting them to share their story of how they're suffering, what they've gone through. It's about community coming together and remembering how powerful God is to deliver anyone. Notice here that the Passover story is not just the story of freedom, it redefines who I am. I am not a victim anymore. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I am no longer a victim. I am a beloved child that Jesus paid a price to save me, redeem me. That thing that I went through does not define me. I am defined by what God says about me. I'm a child of God. I'm in covenant with God. My God is powerful to deliver. My God is powerful to save. This is who we are. We are celebrating. And so yes, we remember the suffering. The bitter herbs were to remember the suffering and so on. But we remember something greater, that God delivered us and it cost them to do that. So Passover then is the invitation by God to enter freedom from whatever's holding you back. And it's an invitation to take part in a journey into your destiny. So when we do communion, communion is meant to be a way that the Christian church celebrates this thing. We remember Christ as our Passover. We remember he died on the cross for us. That's what happens at communion. See, if you don't know what it's about, it's just not a nip and a sip. Pass it on. Do you understand? It loses power when there's not faith in your heart to see what God wants to do. He says, he says when you do these things in communion, you are to remember the Lord's death till he comes. So in other words, we remember his death on the cross. We remember that we were in sin and bondage. We remember the blood was shed to free us. We remember his covenant with us. We remember he wants to remove sin from our lives. And we remember he's coming again. See, so communion is not meant to be some simple little ritual that the church does on Sundays or once in a while. It's meant to be a reminder like the Passover was for the Jews of the great and mighty work of God. That's why you share your testimony. This is what was my life was like, but Jesus entered my life. This blood was shed for me. He has set me free and delivered me. I'm on a new journey and you cause God as a destiny. It's a journey I'm on. Get the idea? Okay, now we need to see then that Jesus totally fulfilled the Passover. Now, I won't go into all details of it, but let me just give you a few things about it. Remember, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to get rid of it. So 
Firstly, Jesus is the true Lamb of God. John the prophet identified him in John 1.29. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter also said the same thing. Uh, 1 Peter 1.18 and 19 and 20, you are redeemed not with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish. What's he thinking about? He's thinking of Passover. He's saying Jesus Christ is the true Passover lamb without any blemish. Interesting, if you look at the story, when did Jesus enter Jerusalem? On the 10th day of the first month. How about that? He entered on the 10th day. Notice then, remember that the lamb was required to be inspected. Go read up on how many times they checked up on Jesus. The high priest would, they would bring the lamb to the high priest. He would check it and he would declare, I find no fault in this lamb. Now you have a look and you find that Jesus was inspected on four separate occasions. He was inspected by Annas the high priest. He was inspected by Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, inspected by Herod, inspected by Pilate who said, I find no fault in the man. Four times he's inspected, four times they can find no fault. He is the lamb without blemish. He is God's offering. He is God's provision. He's the provision for sin. Think about that. And so when was Jesus crucified? He was crucified. They were very specific. In Mark 15, 23, it was the third hour when they crucified him. That's about nine, uh, the ninth hour, 3 p.m. And uh, it says and, and that uh, Jesus died. Notice that they're very careful to give the exact time when he died. He died at 3 p.m. What was happening at 3 p.m. down there, down the road, they were all gathered. The high priest was slaying the land. He was shedding the blood. He was gathering the blood up and making it as an offering for the sins of men, not realizing that outside the city, naked, bruised, hanging on a cross is Jesus, the true lamb of God, shedding his blood blood going down every part of his body, mutilated by the whipping and pain and agony. And he gives up his life at 3 p.m. on that day. Isn't that incredible? Here's another thing. In the Old Testament, when they celebrated the feast of Passover, God demonstrated his power against the gods of Egypt. The gods of Egypt were finally overthrown. The great power of God was released. Also, the protective power of God was released. So what happens at the, when Jesus, our true Lamb of God, our true Passover is sacrificed? You can read it in uh, Psalms 27 and verse 51. The veil was torn in two. The earth quaked. There was a massive earthquake. The rocks split. The graves were opened. And after his resurrection, many rose from the dead and were seen in the city. Now that is scary, powerful stuff. Think about it. You see, why did God do that? He could have just let it just pass. No, he wanted to put on a show. Now you may have a fireworks show at New Year, but this is better than a fireworks show. This is where God had brought darkness over the land from the third to the sixth hour, or the ninth hour, sixth and ninth hour. And then now finally, there's a massive earthquake. Everyone's shaking, they can't stand up. It's so severe, the rocks start to split, the graves shake open. You can see the dead bones in there. Death is exposed. And then Jesus arises from the dead and takes some with him, a first fruits offering to present to his Father in heaven. You see the feast of Passover, the shedding of the blood, the unleavened, the leaven removed from the house and part of the unleavened bread concealed. 
Then finally we see the sheaf of first fruits brought out and weighed before the Lord. What happened? Jesus, our Passover, gave up his life on the cross. He took our sins. So sin was removed from man and hidden in the earth. On the third day, he rose from the dead, the first fruits to rise from the grave. The power of God is released at Passover. Oh man, oh man. Receiving Christ, trusting in what his blood has done, gives us access to the power of God, access to heaven, access to God's presence. Think about it. So all of these things are prophetic. Over the course of history, the Passover was neglected. But in 1500, Martin Luther restored the truth of the feast of Passover, that the just shall live by faith, by faith are you saved. By grace are you saved through faith, not by your works. And so I haven't got time to go into it, but during history, since Martin Luther, there's been a progressive restoring of the meaning of these feasts leading up to finally the power of God comes and Jesus himself returns. So here's a few things about applying it to your life. Firstly, God calls us to keep the feast. Not just read about it, to keep it. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, purge out the old leaven. Get rid of sin in your life so you can become a new creation, a person set apart for God. Why? Because Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed. So let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven of malice and wickedness. He's saying this is a heart issue. God wants you to come to him and allow him to remove from your life bitterness and anger and hatred and all of these kind of things to keep it with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He wants you to live as a genuine, authentic person, a truth-based person. We have to apply the blood personally. Well, how do you do that? It's done by the prayer of faith. It's done by coming. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just. He will forgive. He will not only forgive, he will cleanse us from all the defilement of sin. So how can we do this? Number one is to receive Christ. The Passover is an invitation for you to become free. It's an invitation to be free of sin, to be free of its power, and it's an invitation to a destiny which is greater than you can think. What's stopping you receiving Jesus Christ? What hinders you and what stops you? Every person must make that decision to receive Christ and believe in what he's done for us. Secondly, Passover is about freedom and breakthrough. Passover is an invitation to freedom from slavery and bondage. So what are you in bondage to? Are you in bondage to fear? What are you gonna do with that fear? You gonna live with it? Or are you gonna let him set you free? Fear is a hard taskmaster. Makes you control life and relationships, cause you to wreck stuff. Are you, are you bound to unforgiveness? Are you bound to your possessions? They're everything to you. Are you bound to your work? Are you bound to habits? Are you bound to some addiction? Alcohol, drugs, pornography. What is your taskmaster? What is it that drives you? What is it that's hard on you, makes your life miserable? Don't say it's your husband. What is it that you are serving? Passover is the invitation to be free of your taskmaster. What, what, is, what is gripping your life that, that takes away your peace? What's your go-to when you're in stress? That's your taskmaster. 
Repentance, confession, and agreement with Christ are the only way to apply the, the blood and become free. Passover is an invitation to remove leaven from your life and be clean. Some people are clean, unclean because of what was done to them. Some people are unclean because of what they did. What is the leaven in your life? What are you letting live in your heart that continues to defile you and pollute you? Bitterness is a leaven. It pollutes everything. But there are other things. What's sitting in your heart that really is defiling you, causes you to be ashamed, causes you to feel fear and guilt, causes you to struggle? It's hindering you from the blessing of God. God said, remove the leaven from your house. You do it by confession and repentance. Here's another thing, the last thing. Passover is an invitation to connect and become part of a people who are special to God. It's an invitation to community. Are you isolated, alone, disconnected? What's COVID done to you? Has it caused you to become isolated and disconnected until it's become your way of life now? What's stopping you connecting in meaningful relationships? What's stopping you gathering as a big body of people? Next week is our great time. I am so looking forward to this. I just cried even being here with a smaller number. I am so longing to be in the big community where we worship and celebrate God together. See, what's stopping you? What's stopping you being in a home and gathering with people to celebrate what Jesus has done? What's, what's, what's stopping you opening your own home to be a gathering place where people can come around your table? You don't have to be gifted or complicated. It's an invitation to connection and relationships. You share the story of Jesus around the table. If you do nothing at Easter, talk about what your life was before you came to Christ. Tell your children, this is what my life was like before I came to Christ. And today, I want you to know, our family is different because Jesus saved me. Our family is different because He set me free from things. I would have given to you a legacy of bondage and sin and heartache and sorrows. But Jesus saved me and changed my life and changed the course of my life. And now we have a family that's a blessed family. Let's bow our heads and be grateful to God. I want you to think about that. What's stopping you gathering people in your own home? For some, perhaps it's just some of the family members are unsaved and you can't do that, but you can gather in someone else's home and help make it happen. I want you to close your eyes for a moment now. I can feel the presence of God here. I can feel the presence of God and I know he wants to touch us. Now I want you just to close your eyes and just, I'd like the music just to stop now. I'm just gonna play a track. Here's a track. It's called, The Blood Is Still There.
very powerful song, isn't it? It's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that God is wanting to touch people. That provision is made for us, but only if we take hold of it. Only if we take hold of it. So right now, it may well be, you've never received Christ. This would be your time to do it. A simple prayer to invite Jesus Christ into your life and heart. To ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you by his blood. If you're struggling in a bondage, fear, anger, lust, addicted to something, bound by something, this is your opportunity. It's your opportunity for freedom. If you will come to Jesus, repent and ask for his blood to set you free. If you're isolated and lonely, struggling with shame, this would be your time to break out of that place, to come into community, to start to gather with the people of God. The blood makes a way for us to do it. It won't be what you did. It won't be what you said. It won't be all the good works. It won't be your money, your position, or anything. When God brings judgment upon the earth, the only thing that will count is that the blood is upon your life. We're meant to walk daily in the life of Passover, daily under the covering and protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is real, it is powerful, but only you can choose to apply it. Just right now as we close, there may be some like to come forward and say, God is speaking to me. There's something I want to resolve and deal with. There's something I want to be free of. There's something that's pressing in. It's a hard taskmaster. It could be worry, anxiety, fear. I don't know what it is, but I do know that the blood can break its power. Would you come? Would you come right now? If that's you, let's just stand as we finish. Thank you, musicians, for just flowing and building that atmosphere of worship. And just if that's you today, and you say, I want prayer. I want to come first and build my own altar. I want to come to the cross. I want to come to God's Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. And I want to repent, confess, and remove leaven from my life. The leaven of lust, of shame, of fear, of bitterness, of anger, of greed, of loneliness, of trauma. I want to come. I want to come to Jesus. Friend, the blood is waiting for you. Jesus awaits you. If there was any way we could be saved, apart from the blood, God would never have needed to send his son. There is one and one only way. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we have access to our Father in heaven. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we become born again. Passover was declared to be the beginning of a new year. And for us, when we receive Christ, we are born again. It's the beginning of a new season in our life, a new destiny. Why don't you respond today?
If you're doing this in home, this would be a great chance to just pray and minister to people. I encourage you to respond. If you're here and you need prayer, just make your way to the front. We're just going to continue the atmosphere of worship. And in the homes, just carry on and pray and minister to one another. Or share your story, share your testimony. Eat together, talk together, share what God has done. Share what is happening in your life. Share about your struggle and your pain and how Jesus set you free. Or share about your struggle and pain and ask people to pray for you to get free. God invites us into community, His community, His family, where we're loved. God bless you. God bless you. We see you all here next week. going to be exciting. Amen. Church, let's just worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you. If you're watching online, just enjoy this time. Just have that time of worship, time in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we love you. We're so glad. We celebrate Passover. We celebrate the feast. We celebrate your salvation. We celebrate your victory over death, over shame, over sin, over iniquity, over transgressions, over grief, over sorrows, over rejection, over injustice, over betrayal. Oh, we bring them to you, Lord. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for the power of resurrection. Thank you today for lifting us up. Oh, we honor you, Lord.